1: Hello and welcome back to Full Time with Meg Lenahan. As always, that is me. I'm your host. I'm a writer at The Athletic covering women's soccer at the NWCL and the U.S. Women's National Team. So it has obviously been um, a week here in the United States with the election and then the election results and waiting for the election results. And um, I wanted to do something a little different. Uh, I turned to a friend for this week's show. Um, to hopefully provide you with a, a pleasant distraction, a, a nice distraction from what you might be reading on Twitter or, you know, refreshing the New York Times app or looking at needles or, or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, Anne O'Dong is here with me this week, and we look back on basically a decade of women's soccer and ahead to the 2023 World Cup, which Anne, uh, absolutely just her on her own, no one else, is hosting in australia and also new zealand so as of the time that i am recording this introduction we are still waiting on the protected list as expected from the nwsl teams ahead of the nwsl expansion draft for racing louisville fc but the team did pick up former washington spirit attacker Shayna matthews off the waiver wire felt like a very easy call for them to bring in more nwsl quality up top in addition to Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill. On Wednesday, the NWCL announced a hire for a new position. Chief Revenue Officer Mitch Pohl will step into this role, and it's someone that NWCL Commissioner Lisa Baird knows, as he also worked for both the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and the NFL. Here is uh, what the league's release says, what he's actually about to start working on. Quote, as chief revenue officer, Paul will oversee all areas of NWSL's commercial revenue and partnership marketing, including sponsorship, licensing, and media. In addition to his revenue responsibilities, Poll will work with the newly established commercial committee members and the, chief, and the club chief business officers to build out club services and generate new league programs for fan and brand building, end quote. So just PS, no names were included for that newly established commercial committee or what their goals are as well. All right, also on Wednesday, North Carolina Courage Defender, Jaylene Daniels, formerly Hinkle, announced her retirement from professional soccer. There is plenty I could say about her and her time in the NWSL and with the national team. That is probably an entire episode when my brain is not currently in its uh, current state, really. But setting all of that aside for right now, this is another big loss for the Courage out of their dominant starting 11 over the past few seasons, along with Sam Mewis and Crystal Dunn. But, you know, on the on the bright side for them, it also gives them a little extra wiggle room on the expansion draft protected list, too. All right. So time for Anne O'Dong, who made it work on the time zone front and tolerated me at 7.30 in the morning after election day for a great conversation. Anne doesn't particularly like when the attention is all on her, but since I'm now recording this on my own, I get to intro this segment by saying that I personally do not think that the growth of the game happens to the extent that it did, and it's doing in Australia without Anne O'Dong's role in the coverage of women's soccer in that country, and I am still very pleased that the FFA—that's that's Football Federation Australia—realized that it needed her in the office and all of her experience and expertise. So here's Anne. So Anne, I I first of all thank you for doing this. Um, I always enjoy whenever I'm talking to you, trying to figure out what goddamn time it is in Australia. Like I actually have Australia in my time zone on my phone, so that way I always know what time I'm actually trying to ask you something. Um, so for me, it is 7.30 in the morning, the day after election day. So I am bubbly as ever. What time is it for you right now? What day is it for you right now? Well,
2: we're actually on the same day, which okay, is good, good <laughs>
1: except it's like
2: 11.30 p.m. at night, okay. which is the opposite way. But yeah. You know, WOSO never sleeps, so this is pretty much like early morning in somewhere in terms of WOSO, so I'm pretty good with it. Right.
1: How much... So you used to have to watch all the NWSL games, right, to follow the Australians, and now you have to watch all of the England games. What time were those for you?
2: Okay, can I just say NWSL was definitely winning that time zone (laughs) contest, (laughs) and I miss you guys so much. (laughs) because of that <laughs> um i'm not a night owl i'm definitely an early morning person so switching across to late night games which is what england is um and you know having like a 1 a.m kickoff 1 a.m is the most awkward time because you can't yeah, really you get can't a good go. nap yeah and then afterwards you can't really get a good sleep
1: yeah. No, it is. I, I remember um, watching, like, USA hockey for the Olympics in Korea. And yeah. Korea, like, the games were at, like, three or four o'clock in the morning. And that's, like, any time between, like, one and four a.m. is terrible. because oh, it's, it's just like, Yeah. It's, it's horrendous. It's, yeah. So it's just, it's, mm, 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 no, not my favorite.
2: And then... It doesn't help when you go to extra time in matches. (laughs) Looking at you,
1: FA Cup. I was just about to say, I was, yeah. I I mean, great game. Great game. Yes, Um, it was. It was a great game. I think Everton has been really enjoyable to watch in a lot of ways. Um, Manchester City, Katie Wyatt, actually at The Athletic, had a really interesting piece about why Manchester City does not necessarily look the way that they should so far (laughs) this year. But... Yeah, Everton has been extremely fun to watch. All right, so I want to start with what you do for a living in women's soccer. Um, I I do. I think it's very fun for the two of us to talk because obviously, a we go way back, and b um, we both started kind of on the outside of things and then got very much into the inside of things, right? And um, I I feel like the two of us are kind of on a very similar path, just in like two completely opposite ends of the world. So what is your job right now?
2: Well, before I say that, like we could literally be that Paul Walker (laughs) meme of look at us. Hey, look at us.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because who, honestly, who would have thought we would be where we are now? So yeah, so I work in digital content at the Australian Federation, um, not just with Matildas and the junior national women's teams, but also with uh, grassroots women's football as well. And also very much in the uh, diversity and multicultural and inclusion space as well. So um, I've been incredibly lucky to be able to work in my passions and I'm enjoying the heck out of it, I've got to admit
1: okay so let's where did you start I feel like oh. I I really enjoy every time you get attention put on you because I know oh God. I, <laughs> I know how much you enjoy it I know how much you love it I feel like it's a competition to see which one of the two of us hates it more and I think you win it pretty handily um, but where when you first started getting into women's football, women's soccer, right? Where were you, what was your entry point?
2: Huh? Well, it was when TVs were black and white and, (laughs) you know, um, no, I, I got in through a weird way. So I actually played, and this might sound strange to an American audience, but I played netball when I was younger because that was what girls did. Now, netball is this sport, which is like basketball but you stop a lot more and you have um set places on the court that you can actually go and you can't go anywhere else so look it up it's fun um but that's pretty much what sort of every australian girl did they played either netball or hockey um soccer just wasn't a thing that you did so Mm -hmm. i always loved soccer like um from the moment sort of the France 98 happened and I learned who Thierry Henry was and <laughs> I love him still to the point my car is called Thierry um, and I didn't realize that women's football was a thing. So in 2005 I was doing um, a law and journalism degree and as part of that you had to do some work experience in the journalism side. So I did it with our local uh, association which is called Football West and I started out as a match reporter and then I started covering uh, women's football uh, on a radio show and that was the year that I met Tom Somani for the first time <laughs> and that was kind of it. Um, and then throughout the years I just realised that it was actually really difficult to be able to do research for my radio shows. and cause I just couldn't find anything on women's football. And when I did, I had to find like, like eight, nine, ten different places to try and even gather enough information to be able to talk about it. And I, in 2008, I was like, Oh, why don't I start a website? How hard can it be? <laughs> Famous last words right. from everyone. <laughs> right. Um, and so I started the women's game and worked on it by myself for probably the first 3 years up until sort of 2011 before I slowly started to build a team but i mean you know what it's like with women's football once you get into the community you are hooked like right. there is nothing like it
1: yeah yeah it's um i i want to talk a lot more about that community that was one of the real reasons why when i was thinking about the pod this week i was like i just really want like this nice <laughs> safe space but like i think that there is something really beautiful about the space that that has been built um obviously i think it does still need some improvement in certain areas but all right so you've you've made the swap from netball you started your own website how as you make the journey inside (laughs) (laughs) yeah right there is a a pretty major stop for you between women's game and uh ffa right yeah um i do want to bring up for folks who um maybe weren't following ann on twitter or um first of
2: all how dare you
1: yeah first of all she's delightful she has a koala (laughs) in her twitter name like come on (laughs) um the The joy of seeing you roll into World Cup games last summer in your full FIFA suit. Um, I do want to talk to you about your time <laughs> with FIFA as a team reporter, because first of all, like the other fun part of this, especially I think for for those of us kind of like watching you blossom, right, was the fact that it was not necessarily Australia related, too. Yeah. Um. So how? What made you? Uh, think okay I should maybe apply for this thing that is happening with FIFA Um, yeah and and what was that experience like covering the 2019 World Cup as a team reporter for Nigeria
2: yeah Um, what made me apply uh, naivety uh, (laughs) a little bit just chuck it out there And, and that's not normally me to be honest I'm not one who normally puts myself forward. But it was just more of a case of, like, I wanted to be part of the Women's World Cup in 2019 and I wanted to find a way of being able to tell sort of different stories. And I was really excited when I got Nigeria because of the fact that, I mean, spoiler, I'm from Africa. I know you might not have picked (laughs) that one. Um, But I've always been... I was always not just covering Australian women's football, which I absolutely did, but I always like to keep an eye on what was happening in African women's football because it was just really important to me that that was growing and developing. And when I got the opportunity to be able to tell the stories from um, sort of that internal view, Mm -hmm. I was really excited about that. And honestly, it was uh, the best experience Um, The players were so lovely and sensational. The staff, um, still to this day, they really don't believe that Odong is not a Nigerian name. I'm (laughs) telling you guys, it's Ugandan. Uh, And they were just so incredibly warm and welcoming. And I think what I got away from that is that sometimes I feel like we can be pretty Western centric in our women's football coverage. And there are lots of people in African women's football, who are really pushing the game. Um, People like Sam from Nigeria, who was just such a wealth of knowledge and he's just so passionate about it and such a good person. You know, you've got Jean from Uganda. You've got Asha also from Uganda. Um, You've got um, Janine from um, Nigeria as well. Like there are all these people who are really... I guess, doing what we did in the early 2010s, 2011s, and really driving the game from that independent lens. And they don't always get the opportunity to be able to tell that story. Um, And I think I wanted to be able to tell that story, but understanding the responsibility that I had, because I got the privilege of being able to do it while they do it day in, day out. Um, And hopefully for me, you know, next time, Um, if that report team reporter role comes up again, I'll definitely be pushing and driving for one of them to be able to get the role because it's just, it was an incredible experience, but it was also just, um, it's a real responsibility to be able to tell that story Mm -hmm. well.
1: Right. It's a, it's a very different thing, right. To be the U S women's national team reporter, right. And coming in and kind of being like, okay, this team is the favorites, but also like they're extremely like, I mean, we had, I don't know, 40 reporters, basically, in the yeah. caravan, basically, <laughs> you know, like, it's not the the access points are so different, right? Like, yeah. I think about trying to watch games that include African nations here in the US. And it's like, unless the US Women's National Team is playing them, and or like, you get the miracle of someone posting a stream on Twitter, like, right. you know, it's kind of like the old older ways of... of we weren't able to watch European friendlies or something along those yeah. lines, right? Like you knew things were happening, but like the actual, like, oh, are they accessible right at the moment? Yeah. Um, and,
2: and that's where the stream hunting skills from those early 2010s <laughs> know, right? went into full effect.
1: Yeah. Uh, still
2: had those skills uh, polished up. But even like the pre-tournament friendlies, you know, um, you know Australia, England, France, the US, you could find those pre-tournament friendlies like super quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was in, in preparing for Nigeria, you know, trying to find AFCON matches and trying to actually just prep properly um, for the tournament and find articles. And like I said, this is where Sam from Gold.com was just amazing, the body of work that he had around the team. Um, it's, it's still different. And I think, what came out of the Women's World Cup for me is that there's still probably a two to three speed economy in relation to women's football, not just on the pitch but also the coverage of it. And I think it's incredibly important that us as a community then support those who are in other parts of the world trying to do what we're doing, which is growing the game and they're doing it at that real grassroots level. Mm-hmm. And that's in Africa, that's in parts of Asia and that's also in parts of South America as well. And almost feel like it's a responsibility and an incumbent on us who've got better resources to be able to support and amplify their voices in that way too.
1: Right, right. No, it's – um. I mean, I talked to Brenda Elsie, you know, a decent amount who works with FAIR, right, and, and obviously has a huge amount of interest in, in South American women's football and just trying to get a sense. But, like, also I – I think that we are two people that also have a real fondness for Brazil, right? Yes. And trying to follow news around the Brazil women's national team and like figuring out where those resources are and <laughs> figuring out where those accounts are, right? Like, I mean, I, we—I don't know how many conversations we've had over the years about like trying to find like Marta stuff, right? Like from back in the day, but yeah, like I think Brazil is kind of in that same situation of like you can see the path forward right but like it's how do you get how do you get those resources going how do you get people into these positions where you can push and push and push so but us having lived it right yeah
2: and you never know what's gonna cause that leap i mean if you if you honestly if you told me five years ago that australia would be preparing for a women's world cup on home soil that Matildas would be voted the most loved team in Australia and be selling out stadiums, I would have definitely wanted what you were smoking and probably <laughs> coughed a lung out as I tried to smoke it because it just wasn't a thing that you thought you would have. Like, to be honest, I thought I thought women's football in Australia would grow in in my lifetime, but I thought I'd kind of be done with the game when it kind of got to that stage because mm-hmm. it just felt like... It was so incremental, the progress and the growth. Right. And then, and then one day it
1: exploded
2: and it was like, um,
1: <laughs> what? What? Oh, this is, oh, oh, we're doing it. Oh, we're doing it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: My favorite thing was when like others were explaining to me who the Matildas were and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Tell me more about the Matildas. <laughs>
1: I, I have one other question about the World Cup for you, but before we get there, I am kind of curious. You know, you just spoke about like having it kind of explode around you. In in that time span of like 2005 to let's maybe say 2017 ish, mm-hmm. right? Was there ever a point where you got super burnt out and were just like, <laughs> oh, I don't? Because <laughs> I feel like this is a part of it that we don't talk about a talk about? lot of just. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I basically walked away in 2015, I wanna say, because I was just mm-hmm. like, I can't afford to keep doing this on my own. I can't, like, it just feels like I'm shouting into a void. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. shouting to the same people, which is great, but like, it's, where is it going from here? So was yeah. there a point of that, like, I gotta, yeah. I gotta step back for a second.
2: Yeah, and it's funny you say 2015, because for me, it was like, sort of towards the end of 2014, uh, most of 2015 and, uh, you know, I, I'll sound like a broken record, but honestly, this is where community is so important. And, you know, and Cheryl Downs, who runs Beyond 90 now, Sarah Groob, who's part of Beyond 90, um, you know, Emily Mogic, who also is part of it, uh, Michael Alasich, all of those guys who used to be part of the women's game, I mean, they kept me in it because at that time I was just, I was tired. You know, it'd been 10 years already and most of that, you kind of done it by yourself. And I don't know about you, but there's this whole thing in women's football where because there's so many people ready to jump in and be negative, you almost feel like it's your role to be relentlessly, po- relentlessly positive, mm-hmm. you know, just talk it up or, or, you know, talk it through or, or, you know, yeah, trying to put, it and, in
1: a, put it in a context, right? Of just like, right. this is not the end of the world.
2: <laughs> and, right? and then also, you know, call the Meg help line, which I will be calling <laughs> later um, to just say, you know, the sky is not falling. Things are going to get better, all of that stuff. But what people don't realize is that in us putting out that positive energy, it actually like takes a lot from us as well and I used to have a time period like literally at the end of every W League season at the end of in every sort of like international season which normally was about sort of like that June July time frame like I would crash for six weeks I mean you guys would always be like uh and there like (laughs) yeah like I would just crash because that was the only way you know I could recharge and be able to go again and you know it is it's it's incredibly tough and and you're often trying to build relationships as well as report the news as well as um you know be sort of supportive to others in the community who are just you know baby woso fans who are coming in and they've got questions and you want to bring them along on the journey as well but you know you're also giving up a lot of emotional energy and also intellectual um, know how, when you give that to people, which mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like you, I'm more than happy to give it, but it also has its toll, um, that you got to sometimes step away and just recharge. Right. Right. Eat a lot of, eat a lot of ice cream. And-
1: <laughs> okay. So speaking of that, the, the thing that I want to still bring up for world cup 2019 is, so I think I had mm, two days off, uh, yes. total, right. Um, and both of them, I was, I, you know, like, yes, stepping away is great. And I, I want to say like, I did step away. I just also did like full day trips on my two days off, which is, a little bit you you know, we're in France. Um, and you were a part of them along with our friend, Steph, who has also been on this podcast now multiple times. And we went to, um, Disneyland Sorry, in Paris Disneyland. <laughs> And um, I think we walked about, like, 20,000 steps that day. <laughs> it was also a heat wave, right? That was, that yeah. was very much in the heat wave time uh, in France. And um, we also had
2: to take the train right out of the center of Paris to mm. get out there, which right. was fun. I will say
1: it was wildly convenient to get to yeah. Disneyland Paris, like, compared to here, where, at least in the States, like, if you want to go to a theme park like that, generally you have to drive. Like, yeah, it, there's true. no, like, theme park two hours by train from new york city right like and it wasn't even too, it was like an hour or something it was an hour and a bit yeah yeah, yeah. And it was easy yeah um this and i was... think
2: we were like we literally turned into 10 year olds
1: yeah yeah it was um it was also your first roller coaster experience correct let's just say also
2: like steph is like super organized like you can't she she's not leaving things to chance you and i are kind of like uh, all right no no we needed to be in line we needed to be packed we needed to be ready to go i think she was ready to push some kids out of the way if they were going too slowly um but it was just so good like i'm not normally like we don't really have theme parks in australia like you've got like I'm not going to name them because somebody's going to give me threats for like maligning some, you know, water park. But when I got, oh my God, oh my God. Although I'm not going to, you guys kept making fun of me because you're like, these aren't really, these aren't real roller coasters.
1: Well, we have some like legit, legit monster coasters in the United States. So for us, um there are definitely more intense ones. Although I, I did, like, the ones at Disney were fun. Like, they were fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the other super fun part is now, like, I feel like this is a strange tradition for me because every time, um like, at the Orlando Championship for NWSL, <laughs> which was actually one that you went to, you were not with us, but, like, I dragged my former coworker for NWSL out to Epcot one of the nights, so that way, like, we actually got some time off and we, like disconnected and she was very into um going on one of the rides and i was very into the concept of drinking at God. <laughs> um and then disneyland paris and then steph uh when we were both out in la for olympic qualifiers uh before you know the world entirely changed but one of the last things that we did was go to um disney out in la so that we could go to star wars land um which was a great decision for the two of us. <laughs> so, well, to be fair, that
2: that Orlando trip, you guys went out to Epcot. Steph and I went to NASA.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Which I had done. I went to the NASA in Houston uh, yeah. for a different championship. So I do like. I think that that's such a huge part of. Um, there is so much travel, right, in mm. this, um, and trying to find like one thing. That you like force yourself to do right so it's nasa and houston or epcot or disneyland paris like i think one of the big things that i have found is like like just being like i have an afternoon or an entire day off i have to check out (laughs) like gotta get out yeah
0: yeah
1: um sometimes i I do wish that i would like to take a nap instead of like (laughs) you know walking (laughs) for an entire day but yeah
2: I think also one thing um, fans might not realise is that when you're in that tournament, you are in such a bubble. You know, the days are so routinely structured and you get about, you don't even start thinking about days as in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's match day minus two, match day minus one, match day, match day plus two, which is normally a travel day. And then you're back into match day minus two, match day minus one. Like, that's how you think. You Mm -hmm. don't even know, like, really what day it is. And so you just stay in that bubble, like, for a really long time. And sometimes it's just good to be able to step out and go and just do something else. And I think every – so I've been to quite a few tournaments since, like, um, 2008, and every country that I go to, I try and – like go and do one thing that's kind of different to get out. Um, you know, I think in 2011 in Germany, we went out to like some, I can't remember, even remember the name of the castle, but just went like in, yeah. in Bavaria, went for mm-hmm. a castle tour, you know, in you know 2012, we went to Japan and um, I went to Hello Kitty World. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did not know this.
2: <laughs> Still a brilliant decision. That's incredible. Um, and then, like, in 2013, I went to China and went to Nanjing and went to this really great um, monument. I just try and at least give myself one
0: mm-hmm. piece.
2: Otherwise, you just, you know, it's like, you know, all I, I went to this tournament and all I got was a photographer's bib,
0: you know, kind <laughs> of thing.
1: The photographer's bibs are also never flattering. So <laughs> That's it's not something funny. you really want to be like, wow, I got a photographer's bib. They're terrible. <laughs>
2: That or if you're really lucky, you get, like, a tournament backpack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, U.S. soccer did give us backpacks um, in France. And I remember being like, I actually do really like this backpack, but also now I have to be responsible for this backpack. And I was already so overstuffed with, like, jerseys that I, and I was just like, I don't want to carry things around. Like, I just don't. I don't want to, I don't want to be responsible for any more things. Like, please don't like me. Be... okay. I guess I have this backpack now. <laughs>
2: right, and, but in the end, you like kind of look at it? Like I have, I don't know about you, but I have a place like in my wardrobe, which has like all my sort of tournament memorabilia stuff that I kind of kept. And I've gotten much better at like starting to like not keep everything like yeah. a border. Yeah. Um, but when I first started, I was like, I want to keep the sticker book. I want to keep this. I want to keep that. I want to keep that flag. I want to keep the book. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to keep everything. Now I'm like,
1: mm,
2: no, I'll only keep that. And yeah.
1: Then, yeah. Uh, I try to be, like, very jerseys. Yes. Yes. I've I've started moving away from scarves because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have anywhere to put them. Like, at least in this <laughs> apartment. I'm just like, they're, they're in, like, bins right at the moment because I'm just like, I don't really – have anywhere so I was just like we got to stop with the scarves for a while like I did buy two at the world cup and then since then it's just like if I've been sent one then I'm like great like I love it I have one on display right at the moment so it just rotates
2: (laughs) everybody send Meg (laughs) scarves lots of them
1: (laughs) all right Um, (laughs) the other thing
2: I also um keep quite a bit and I don't know what I'm going to do with them but I want to do something cool with them is the media passes. Yeah. Especially with the na- major tournaments, they're kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of have them around and I'm gonna do something one day craftsy and artsy with them. But yeah.
1: I yeah, I definitely I at least finally organized them and Steph actually inspired me to do this where she took them all off the lanyards and just <laughs> stacked them. And then like she also was very tidy in how she like rolled up all of the lanyards. I oh did my actually God purge a whole like i was like do i have 17 U.S. soccer lanyards? Yes. Okay. Like 15 of those can go to someone. <laughs> they can figure out what to do with them because like i guess i could give them away on twitter but like i don't i don't want to i don't want to show up at the U.S. postal service with like hello i have 15 U.S. soccer lanyards to mail. Here you go. So yeah. All right. So I it yeah, we're getting into the fun details, some of the random stuff that yeah. I would do like the the real reason why I wanted to talk to you is because I feel like the two of us are such a interesting example of how people can as my whole table moves, um, people can connect through women's soccer. I was trying to think last night, like when the first time I talked to you was, like when you got so here's the other fun secret of this is like you, you see our conversations on Twitter and everything. Um, you also see when our group WhatsApp leaks onto Twitter, which is really the key, and where a lot of the weird humor <laughs> tends to enter is when our group chat that we are in leaks. and usually involves spiders, I feel like. <laughs> it's usually when we're mad at each other because Anne has introduced the concept of a spider into the chat. But...
2: Or or some American food that I've just learnt about that is completely revolting. It's um, usually
1: that, <laughs> or we're having an argument about steak for the seventeenth time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it just you know, I feel like it's really amusing. I just did like a panel for for Harvard grad students, and it was hosted by an Australian. And my first question was, "Do you know anodong?" Like, <laughs> I feel like. You have truly become kind of the like weird. Like, do you know Anod- it's like the six degrees of Anodong, right? Um, I'll take that. But also, <laughs> also that's the podcast episode I just decided. It was six not degrees. a thought I had until seven fifty nine a.m. on the East Coast, but there it is. It's just some magic that I I dropped into your lap. So the six degrees of Anodong, in terms of like connecting to people i mean like literally you you came to an NWSL championship in orlando um we won't talk about some kara- crazy yeah um we won't talk about the karaoke that happened at that <laughs> championship but then you also stayed in the u.s and came to my wedding in vermont like we made you come to vermont you were very worried it was going to be cold it was actually <laughs> quite nice i think um but you know like there are just these connections right that we have Mm -hmm. all formed like this to me is kind of the magic of women's soccer because we have formed this community on your side of it i also feel like you have so many connections i don't even know about (laughs) like you are just in spaces that i'm just like oh oh that exists okay like i guess i should follow ann over here (laughs) like is it an intentional thing is it just like that's how you have always operated i think I mean, it's
2: it's not intentional. I think what I always, what I always found was that, uh, being in the women's football, the women's soccer space, um, I was allowed an entry into that space by some incredible women in Australian women's football. Um, your Moya Dodds, your Heather Reads. Um, you know, Tom Samani also was in there. He let me into, I I still say to him every day, I'm like, were you nuts? Just like letting (laughs) me a complete random into like Matilda's camp. Um, You know, Joe Fernandez, who was the longtime Matilda's team manager, they opened the door for me and let me into that space. And that was the thing that I always was like, if I get to that place where I can open the door for others, make connections, I'm going to do that because I wouldn't be where I am without other people. And so, you know, 2013 when the NWSL started, that's when I started to make a lot of connection with Americans because we had so many Aussies going across. And I'm not going to lie, like every now and then there would be, like, a particular person that I'd like, you know when you're in, like, Um, primary school and you like somebody and you just do things to try and get their attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I did that with a couple of you guys. (laughs) Hoping it would happen. (laughs) Hi, Dav. Because I just would watch the space and I guess it happens is you see what people say and how they are. And I feel like some people say that online you can hide who you are, but I feel like in women's football and online people reveal who they are a lot more and you got that opportunity to go, I actually like that person and I want to try and connect with them on a deeper level. And you also have the ability to be a lot more open and say, Hey, I'm here. If you ever need any help, any support, you know, I might not be able to do it, but I can at least send you in the right direction. And I know that sounds a bit naff, but like I said, for me, it was always like, if I can help, I will. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I wouldn't be where I was if somebody else didn't just go, hey, come into this space. Right. Um, And then you meet some really cool people and you talk to some really cool people. And some of them, you know, for five years before the first time you meet them face to face is at their (laughs) wedding.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, very casual. So (laughs) that's how you do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works— Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Um, To be fair, we met at the, the game before. Okay, you fine, guys, okay. Yeah.
2: Change the story, but,
1: <laughs> it, it is, It was very great that you were able to come over and also um, I feel like I should have learned my lesson that uh having playoffs final wedding like in three consecutive weekends was just like a recipe for me to be a very crazy person so um... well, you,
2: well you guys did make us go on that two kilometer walk that ended up what 15 kilometers i'm just
1: yeah you know, well Love you got magic. to enjoy, you got to enjoy <laughs> nature. Um yeah, we we took our friends on like a little on a little nature walk and got turned around. I won't name names. Um but yeah, it it turned into quite the walk. My dad had to carry our dog <laughs> because she was just like I'm done. I don't know what 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 is happening here. Anyway, but it was it was very lovely outside and then we went for for barbecue and we got into the like uh sixth version of our steak argument i think at that restaurant so good times um so the other the other big thing <laughs> that i wanted to talk to you about is 2023 um we will be on your home turf for I the world um die. so before we get into you trying to convince a whole bunch of americans to come over i mean we were both in france we saw how well America traveled, um, at this stage,
2: do I need to convince you all?
1: (laughs) I mean, maybe we can talk about, you know, that one fun thing that everyone should be doing. Um, I, I'm hopeful that it involves Quokkas. It it
2: totally involves quakas.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, in terms of your work on, I feel like that has to be a real moment of, okay, I'm I'm sitting here trying to grow this website single-handedly, you know, a decade ago. And then now we are bidding for a World Cup. What is the yeah. mental process like in, in <laughs> trying to wrap your head around that?
2: Oh, it's November, Meg. And honestly, I still can't. I still can't wrap my head around it. To give you an idea, in 2015... Again, completely naff, because that's what I do. You know, I wrote an open letter to the then CEO of the FFA on the women's game saying we should bid for the 2019 Women's World Cup. And I, you know, put out the plan and made the argument. It was a four-part series. <laughs> I, I'd like to think it was quite, quite good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was kind of like a hit and hope kind of thing. Um, but then I found out in 2017 that we were actually going to bid, um, for, uh, for the 20, like do the work in, to bid for 2023. Um, it was just, it was a feeling of just elation that, um, people really took women's football seriously. And. There were so many good people on that bid. Uh, I can't tell you, like, you know, the bid general manager, Jane Fernandez, she's amazing and I'd love to be her when I grow up. And we had a great um, head of marketing communications in Kim Anderson and our whole bid team was just so incredibly in- inclusive and cohesive and my favourite thing was they actually un- they they understood that it wasn't just like sort of for the game it was this greater this greater peace and um oh god you're gonna start making me get teary (laughs) um but it was just it was just a moment where like people believed in women's football and for so long we had to convince people you know I, I feel like yeah, you're nodding because you understand it. You had to make the case for women's football. You had Mm to justify its existence. You had to justify why the players were worthy of um, writing space and, and, you know, video time. And that kind of felt like a moment where you didn't have to justify it, it just was. And everyone came along with it and, you know... (laughs) I I still haven't heard New Zealand's name from Gianna (laughs) Infantino's mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Because when that moment happened, I, you know, it was just, I thought of so many people who had along the way, as you said, they'd struggled, but they'd kind of had to fall by the wayside because they had to have families and get an income and just do something different. But they, they pushed the game along and... It was just really, really special and I'm so excited to be able to, you know, share Australian women's football with so many of my friends from all around the world and I'm so excited for everybody to be able to come down under and and experience what I think will be like the best Women's World Cup uh, because there's so many good people working on delivering the tournament and I'm just really excited for you guys to be able to take a selfie with a quokka. (laughs)
1: Just I mean, I, I I think we are all also very excited to take a selfie with the clock I'm not gonna lie, um, I I personally like I am very excited that I already know like okay, 2023 is a, a go for me. I'm also extremely excited to go to New Zealand as well. To be oh, honest, yeah. like New Zealand as well. We love yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I like I I yeah. am very excited to do both. Um, I also it's funny because I feel like for a lot of Americans, like the default thing is um, like Lord of the Rings, right? Like in terms of thinking like, oh, okay, like a New Zealand thing. But for me, I watch Flight of the Concords And so that is my default <laughs> impression of New Zealand. Um, so I'm very excited to to see how that plays out. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be so interesting because I feel like, 2023 is such a, a first, too, because Australia and New Zealand obviously bidding together, but it's two completely different, like, confederations yeah. working together to put on a World Cup. And I feel like even just, like, the the premise and, you know, having read through all of the bid books, right? Like, I became a person who read all of the bid books as this was going on. Um, I'm glad one of us did. <laughs> um I'm just I'm interested because I also think, you know, obviously there is a lot of talk about uh hosting major tournaments and like what they can do for host countries and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the Olympics are one thing, but I also think with a lot of positives and negatives, right? But I think the Women's World Cup is still kind of in its own space where there is such a tangible impact, right? Mm-hmm. Um and typically countries are not out here building <laughs> facilities specifically for the women's world cup on like the Olympics. Right. So like there is a little bit of a, a, less like, Ooh, okay. Um, but I do think that, you know, just knowing like what 99 did for us here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the concept of that happening for us, like where you already have a much, much stronger base
2: yeah. to
1: build upon is really interesting to me.
2: Right. And it's also, I mean, one of the big things about winning the bid was, you know, that, you know, this, the toughest part sometimes with a tournament is that awareness piece. You know, how do you get that mass awareness in the home country that is going to be hosting the tournament and what the women's world cup did um, the win um, of that, of that bid was, it was everywhere. Like, everywhere mm-hmm. i woke up the next morning and i was just like holy oh my god <laughs> like we were on the freaking opera house break. right?
1: yeah that was <laughs> sam, i mean i feel like that was the the defining image really yeah like you know yeah. sam
2: kerr the matildas the football fans, um grassroots um standing next to julie dolan who captained the first Um, official match in back in 1979 and watching her see a photo of herself on the opera house I mean (laughs) like that was just that's still insane to me to think about but you know what it does is in terms of the awareness and and you see it already people are so excited and I think the thing that I love is that uh, it, it's, it's a really sort of changed the conversation when you talk about it in grassroots, yes, they say women's football, but in their minds, they actually just say football. And that's so cool to really hear that conversation changing and the tone changing and people are so excited about that, that tournament. And I think that's what it can do is it can open up eyes and it can open up minds of, of what's possible. And, you know, seeing the girls play on on the world stage and seeing them play um, in tournaments, I think that's going to open up a whole, as you said, for a new generation of players. That's going to open up what the possibilities are for them, and that's incredibly exciting. I mean, I I, I just hope that in a couple of years' time, and you know, a couple of decades' time, we have that same explosion that you guys had post ninety nine and have incredible numbers for the game and i I think we can i think we have quite a few people who are working incredibly hard on that part of it but you know i'm just excited for the australian public i mean we will get out for like you know a rabbit running contest if we can in australia that's how mad we are about sports we'll watch anything um Okay. So I think I'm like, surprised ESPN
1: didn't like port that in while we didn't have anything. They were like rabbit running from Australia. <laughs> I mean, we watched Marbles Anne. like we were ma- desperate.
2: i still, <laughs> it still blows my mind. There is a marble. I'm not gonna, like I'm not laughing because I watched it too. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the to the website and was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm think all on a while, I think it's just going to, yeah, it's just going to change, shift, shift perceptions of, of what women can do,
1: which is right. really exciting. How much, from a logistical standpoint, we both lived through France, though I think we were on slightly different, Pass in terms of like your group stage travel was a little different than my group stage travel but also to be fair my group stage travel was mostly done with u.s soccer and they were very efficient um iliana if she ever listens to this podcast is truly i felt so so (laughs) appreciative of her because she literally just shuttled us from spot to spot pretty much every single time um one of the big lessons i think of france was logistically the travel Mm -hmm. part, right? And I think also to be fair, there was kind of some expectation that these things would just like magically appear, right? So like, there would just be trains (laughs) from (laughs) games, right? Um, I do feel like there's gonna be more air air travel, right? For people who are maybe following particular teams. Mm -hmm. Um, What is is your expectation of how we're gonna be moving about Australia New Zealand? (laughs) It's not really a train World Cup, is it?
2: No, it's not quite (laughs) a train. Well, unless you've got two days to spare. Um, No, it won't be a train World Cup. Look, to be honest, I really can't speak to the logistics because that's what's being done by the delivery team, which I I don't have any visibility of. But just city to city, I mean, uh, in the W League, I travel quite a bit. Um, So, for example, Sydney to Newcastle, that's a really pretty easy train ride. Um, It's about two, about two hours, two and a half hours. Um, And I I do that pretty much five, six times a season in the WLA going to Newcastle or Newey, as we call it. Um,
1: (laughs) Can you can one of your content things just be like Anne explains Australian uh, (laughs) slang to us, but it has to be with you. Like it can't be with it. Don't put a player. (laughs) Just you. (laughs)
2: Um, So Newcastle is one. Um, Canberra is really close. Uh, Again, many times during the season, it's about a three-hour bus ride or if you're listening, please don't listen or two and a half hours in a car, Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is also um, pretty easy to get to. And then from there, yes, there will be a couple of flights, say from Sydney to Melbourne or or to other cities as well. But it's all pretty... You know, it's all pretty easy. Okay, um, you know, that's what yeah. I like about Australia. It's all pretty easy. A flight from Sydney to Melbourne is an hour and fifteen minutes. A flight from Sydney to Brisbane is about an hour and a half. Like that's all super Yeah. yeah. Super breezy. So right. um but yeah, it's, also- it's not
1: really like flying, you know, if we if we ever host a, a women's world cup here again, it's not like, Oh, I need to fly to Los Angeles and it's you know, five hours plus slash overnight <laughs> if you're flying back like it's always a red eye coming back so yeah
2: no i mean like i think that might be the case for other um host cities who wherever they are i mean mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that like i said on the delivery side not sure about what the host cities are like but like i said travel in australia it's like it's super breezy um and i do it all the time for the w league so i find that pretty pretty good but I think the best thing about travel in Australia is each city has its own personality. Um, and each city is got its own like little feels. It's got its own areas. It's got its own, um, you know, things that you're going to want to go and do and see, which is really exciting except for Melbourne because Sydney is far superior <laughs> Anna Harrington, Tom <laughs> Bell. Um, and the rest of the, it's just fun. Like, yeah. you know, each, each, People will find their favorite cities and that's going to be really interesting to see um, which city our group is actually going to be. <laughs> is
1: there is there any... Okay, so we know travel should be should be okay. Um, we know selfies with quokkas are on tap. Is there anything... I feel like the other big um, thing that everyone is always obsessed with is the food. Uh, oh, what yeah. should we be thinking about for... Oh. Far superior. We do much better breakfast. <laughs> okay. Is, All I right. Mean, is that not a lie? Like,
2: have you seen our breakfast? Have I you seen know. the Matilda's Instagram stories? That was Yo, tell I'm, you what the breakfast
1: is like. You know what, though? Like, I will say I am very excited about the coffee. Uh, yes. I feel like the coffee situation... Um, is going to be far, far superior in Australia than it was in France. Shout out to John Halloran of Equalizer and American Soccer Now, who literally spent all of France yelling about the instant coffee um, and just showing up at random games and being like, I need real coffee. <laughs> literally the entire World Cup. Um, it was incredible. But I do think, you know, like we now have imported Australian coffee chains in New York, right? Like we have Bluestones, which is like, so I feel like I'm going to have real expectations about the coffee scene for this World Cup. And
2: and they will absolutely be fulfilled. Um, I'm just making that for all the baristas in Australia. It's a blanket (laughs) announcement. Um, But no, we, we definitely do like the whole breakfast, brunch, coffee culture. And by the way, I'm talking this up totally as somebody who doesn't drink coffee, as you would remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally a chai latte person.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I-, I feel like the food situation is going to be so loved, especially as you guys think Australian food is the Outback Steakhouse. What? Yeah.
1: Ah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Just- yeah, sorry about our country and our, yeah. our terrible <laughs> food stereotypes of Australia. It is really just like a giant knife, right, and steak, and yeah, yeah, that's like that's that's really where it ends. So and an
2: actual blooming onion,
1: right, right. I will say they are delicious, but I I do understand <laughs> the slight resentment from Australia that we are the stupid. So, but you know, it's fair. It's fair. Um. No,
2: we we do also um, like to do very much the organic thing. So Mm. uh, we're very much farm-to-table kind of country in terms of where we like our cafes and our restaurants to source. So I think, um, yeah, by the way, MasterChef, hire me because I've just done a whole campaign (laughs) for Australia right here. Um, Yeah, so I think you guys are going to enjoy that part of it. I think you're going to enjoy getting out um, into the sort of the country there's like lots of especially for you who loves hiking there's some really great hiking trails out in Sydney in the Blue Mountains and um it's just gonna be fun like I said I'm just excited to see for you guys to come here and see Australia and just live it for six weeks
1: yeah I am very hopeful that we are gonna manage one day off (laughs) together again I feel like you know we all experience france and and i am trying to like mentally be like anne's just not going to be around to hang out willy-nilly because anne's going to be running a world cup like that's i know and it's it's more than just you but like in my head i'm like so anne's running the world cup and um she's gonna be really busy and maybe we can like book her for one day slash maybe go out early although that might be worse so maybe we should stay after like eh, you know we have some time to plan I think you
2: guys need to stay two weeks after and
1: then <laughs> so
2: four weeks for the tournament and then two weeks after and then that that will be the thing to do
1: okay all right yep. so we'll I'll start like mentally <laughs> <laughs> well, Ste- Ste-
2: Steph's already booked the Odong Airbnb so that's one taken <laughs> okay and I believe Pickle has also put in a claim too so yeah uh, yeah rooms are filling fast everyone <laughs>
1: You gotta, you gotta get the full listing up and be like, the expectations are that you will bring your own toilet paper, and <laughs> yeah. Now that, you're just gonna have like a, the... a bevy of Australia or Americans showing up at your door, being like, "Hello, you're not busy right now."
2: Well, I I owe um all the gang from the Rose City Riveters. I owe all of them spaces to play uh, to stay as well. Nash and Dorney and the crew so and nicole so i i i'm essentially looking at a uh, a nice big mansion to house everyone
1: <laughs> just or just, a lot of bunk beds a lot of bunk. <laughs> <laughs> or find a backyard and just be like the tents are out there have fun you can set them up yourselves and yeah. odong's day camp for world cup <laughs> oh my god it's just, you're so just you're just also going to be running a summer camp at the exact same time for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. like stray americans going to the world cup all right well think, at the moment
2: uh, i think at the moment we've also got a program called uh emotional support australians so we can <laughs> we can send that through to 2023 as well
1: okay all right that, that's that is a perfect place to end it right there <laughs> as i studiously try to avoid twitter for the rest of the day and actually do my job. Um, And please tell folks where they can find you and your work. Uh, You can find us at, well, me at anodong on Twitter. Um, But more
2: importantly, just so that my social media metrics go up, you can follow the Matildas at the Matildas on Twitter and also at Matildas on Instagram and Facebook and matildas.com.au. So just, You know, as a as a pledge, help uh, help a sister out.
1: (laughs) That is, I I will I will definitely put how to follow the Matildas. I mean, to be fair, like one of the best team names, I think in honestly in world soccer. So, I I think that alone is reason enough.
2: Well, the the tragedy is we could have been called the Laura Keats, but you know we missed that one.
1: (laughs) Okay, and thank you for. Uh, staying up late I know you are not a night owl as you have also reinforced um, but it is always a pleasure to actually see your face and to talk with you and also have it uh, technically be work you know like yeah, it's delightful
2: I know we get to uh, actually talk on a non text based platform which is really nice
1: thank you to Anne again for taking so much of her Night to hop on Zoom and chat. I hope you enjoyed the uh, alarms I had set to ensure that I was awake (laughs) to talk to her going off mid-podcast. Classic move. Uh, That is it for another week of full-time with Meg Linehan, still working on how uh, I'm going to cover this expansion draft on the podcast. So if you have a preference between our weekly schedule um, every Thursday, right, being delayed by a day and a full episode going up on Friday... Or if you would like a regular non-expansion draft episode on Thursday, followed by an expansion draft bonus pod, let me know on Twitter. Um, I will try to take those into account. Usually I do have one final thing for you here at the end of the show, but I mostly just wanted to take this time to uh, say I hope everyone is hanging in and taking care of themselves and sleeping and drinking water and all of that fun stuff. Um, Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of your community. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for making it this long into the episode. Subscribing to the podcast wherever you like to subscribe to podcasts is a huge help. So are your ratings and reviews. Thank you to those of you who left new reviews this week. I did particularly enjoy Matt's review, which simply read, I finally understand the expansion draft! I am terrified! Two exclamation points! feel like that is the general vibe of every expansion draft in the NWSL. All right. If you enjoy this podcast and do not yet subscribe to The Athletic, but would enjoy more women's soccer coverage and just more sports coverage in general, the link to do so is theathletic.com slash full time. As always, you can listen to this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, The Athletic. You name it, we're there. And if we are not, just let me know. You can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan. Thank you for listening.